Uh, let's look to the Lord now uh, and uh, see what he has to say to us today. Father, I come before you this morning. I'm so mindful of all of my insufficiencies. I, I just pray this morning, God, I don't want anybody dependent on me, on my words, God. I, I pray more than ever before that the Spirit of the Lord would move in a sovereign way here this morning. In every single one of our hearts, those that are here present and those that are with us online, God, I pray for the Spirit of Almighty God to bring revelation today and to help me as I communicate the word you put in my heart for all of us. And we promise to give you and you alone all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Now, a couple of years ago, I started getting into uh, the historical Korean dramas. Yeah, this is learn something about your pastor today. Uh, I got into them because, like maybe like maybe like a typical guy, uh, it involved these historical dramas, which took take place usually in the 1500s or 1600s of Korea. Uh, there was a lot of sword play. Uh, there was a lot of uh, martial arts, and that's how originally I started uh, to watch them. But then, as I would do a little research, I discovered that. Many of them, if not most of them, are actually based on the history of Korea and, and some of the things that transpired, uh, especially when it revolved around some of the kings of Korea. Uh, for instance, there was one who, the king who uh, wanted his, the common people to learn how to read. And those, in, the, in that time, they were only using the uh, Chinese language. And so the common person uh, never, under, never could read. And he wanted his people to learn how to read. And he was the one that actually developed the Korean alphabet that's still in use today. So I find I started realizing this is really interesting to see how things develop historically and what made a king great. And now, as I watched them, I realized also that these great kings were great, obviously, because they did great things for their, 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 their nation and their people, but they were only able to do that because they had great subjects. Now, that's a word we really don't use in our vocabulary here today, but a, a subject is uh, those who are under the authority of another. In other words, in, in these countries where there is a king, the people are known as subjects. Uh, they're, they're under the authority of their king. And in these historical dramas, that I realized that, uh, for instance, the king that uh, did the great thing of, of the Korean alphabet, he had six subjects that had signed on, so to speak, that, that decided I'm going to help the king accomplish what he desires to accomplish. And they have committed themselves uh, in their entire life and everything that they had to see this happen, even to the point that of the six, five of them perished. Five of them were killed trying to accomplish this thing, but they thought it was a worthy cause. And so they gave their all to accomplish the will of their 
king. And that got me thinking, as we are in this series called Kingdom Principles, where we realize how the kingdom of God is structured is also how we should be structuring our life in order to live a life that pleases God and to also have a life that we feel good about, that's blessed in, in, our, in its own right. And so I thought about what would make for great subjects of the kingdom of God? What would make us a great subject in God's kingdom? Let's look in Matthew chapter 27. That's what we're going to, our journey is going to be. We're going to be moving around today. Uh, and I just want to begin setting this portion up uh, of the verse that we're going to read. Jesus has now been arrested by the Jewish leaders. And they have tried him and found him guilty. But under the Roman law, they could not put Jesus to death. And so they brought Jesus over to Pilate, who was the Roman governor at that time. And in Matthew chapter uh, 27, in verse 11, we read this. Now, Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked. And Jesus replied, you have said it. Meaning, you have said it means it is as just as you have said. In other words, Jesus was saying, yes, I am the king of the Jews. So here, the very first question that Pilate uh, asked of Jesus was, are you the king of the Jews? In other words, he questioned the kingship of Jesus. Now, after he had finished questioning Jesus, Pilate didn't find anything wrong with Jesus, uh, and he wanted to release him. So he brings Jesus now before the people and, uh, and says, hey, I'm, I want to release Jesus. Now, in John, John records this in John's gospel in chapter 19. I'm going to be reading verses 14 through 16. Listen to what happened. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover, and Pilate said to the people, look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. And then Pilate turn Jesus over to them to be crucified. So notice now that Pilate brings Jesus out, identifies him as their king, but the people of God shouted back, we have no king but Caesar. So they rejected the kingship of Jesus Christ. Are you with me so far? Okay, so now Pilate has no choice he hands Jesus over to the soldiers to be crucified. And back in Matthew, we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 27. I'm now I'm going to read in verse 27. Oops, I'm in the wrong spot. Sorry about that. There you go. Matthew 27, 27. Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the entire regiment. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. 
They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head, and they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted, Hail, king of the Jews. And they spit on him and grabbed the stick and struck him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him again, and then they led him away to be crucified. So now we go from Pilate to the people. This time the soldiers mock the kingship of Jesus. And then finally, as he is crucified, we find in verse 37 a sign was fastened above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. It read, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Now, when they were crucified, the Romans always attached a sign above the crucifixion that would indicate the crime of the individual. And Jesus was crucified for being the king. He was crucified for being the king. Now, what does that have to do with becoming a great servant of the kingdom of God? How do we make the connection to all of us here uh, today? Well, it's important that we connect this uh, because in order to become great subjects, and, and by that, again, let's break it even more down. A great subject means that we are totally subject, totally surrendered to the authority of Jesus Christ, the King. That's what it means for us today. Are you with me so far? Okay. So now, the question we're going to look at is, will we devote our life to do his will? Because great subjects devote their life to do the will of their king. So before we can answer that question honestly, I wanted to take a quick look and connect what we have just read to all of us here this morning. Uh, because I believe it's important that we look at this thing so that we can measure ourselves and determine, are we in fact a great subject of the kingdom of God. Number one, listen, great subjects don't question the kingship of Christ. Remember, that was Pilate's first question. Are you the king of the Jews? Great subjects don't question the, the kingship of Christ. We need to establish something here today or, or set this foundation. Jesus Christ is far more than a savior. There are some times in, within the fabric of Christianity that we, we get stuck on, on, in first gear. You know, when I was uh, learning how to drive stick, how many know how to drive stick shift? Let me see your hand. You know how to drive stick. Not too many. Well, when I first learned how to drive stick shift, I had to learn that at, you put it in first, and at some point as you hear the gears turning and the motor revving, you got to then pop it pushing the clutch, and then shift it into second gear. You, you just can't drive wherever you're going just in one 
gear, in the first gear. You gotta keep shifting. Well, unfortunately, here's the analogy. There are some Christians that they get stuck their whole life in first gear. That Jesus is their savior. Jesus died for their sin. They embrace Christ as their savior. And as wonderful as that is, you can't live the Christian life in first gear. You can't just have Jesus Christ as your savior and only your savior. The Bible says in Revelation 19, 16, speaking about Jesus, uh, on his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus Christ is more than a savior. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the ruler of heaven and earth. He is the one that has all authority and all power. Are you with me? Would you say amen to that? Oh, see, now I trapped you. Because you can't say that Jesus Christ is King of Kings and say amen to that if he's not your king. You can't profess that Jesus Christ is king of all creation, but except my heart. Okay. That the big question we got to look at today is, does Jesus Christ rule over our heart? Does he rule over our life? Because great subjects, number one, don't question the kingship of Christ. In other words, they have settled that answer, that question. Jesus Christ is my king. He is the one that rules over my life. I am his subject. Number two, listen to me, great subjects, they, they don't mock the kingship of Christ. Now, what does that mean? Well, we know that the soldiers, they mocked the kingship of Christ. How did they mock him? Well, they, they put a robe on him, a royal robe of, of purple, which is symbolizes and represents, uh, the purple represents uh, the, the royalty and, or kingship. And they put that and they put a crown of thorns and then they knelt. They were mocking him being a king. Now, do you remember when Jesus first entered Jerusalem, the people were all excited. They were all praising, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The city of Jerusalem was stirring and believing our king is coming into Jerusalem. And they praised him and they laid down their robes so that the donkey could walk over it. They were all honoring him as a king. But then, when he was presented, when Pilate presented him before the people, what did they yell? Crucify him. They went from praise to crucify him. Now, how does that connect to us? Do you know, I've discovered this over the years. We are good at going through the motions. Yeah. We're good at singing songs we don't really mean. I don't know if you picked it up, but in, in one of the songs that Pastor Jason was leading us, it was talking about Jesus being king. We're good at singing about him being king. 
And we love to know, oh, Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Praise God. He rules over all creation. He rules over the devil. He rules over demons. Glory to God. Devil, you must bow down to Jesus. You know the devil doesn't have a problem bowing to Jesus? He doesn't have a problem bowing to Jesus. He understands Jesus is king. The demons have no problem bowing down to the kingship of Jesus. And we love to quote all that, especially when we're in trouble. When we want God to, 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 to bind all the work of darkness, when we want God to bring deliverance and to set us free, we love to voice Jesus as king. But then, do we turn around and live our life the way we wanted to live. We, when we do that, brothers and sisters, listen to me, we're mocking the kingship of Christ. We're saying it's, it's great that Jesus could be king around us, but he just can't be king of my life. You see, great subjects, they don't question the kingship of Christ. Nor do great subjects, number two, mock the kingship of Christ. And last, uh, uh, thirdly, I should say, great subjects, listen, don't reject the kingship of Christ. Did you notice that the people, as I read earlier and mentioned, they went from praising Jesus to crucify him. But not yelling, just crucify. What did they yell? We have no king but Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. In other words, they chose the king of this world over the king of kings. Sometimes we reject the kingship of Christ and choose the king of this world because of what he has to offer us. Yeah, I knew we would get quiet this morning. But my, my responsibility to you and before God is to communicate the word that God's put in my heart for all of us. Because God desires for you and I to be a people that walk in victory. God desires for you and I to be a people that live a blessed life. God desires for us to be great subjects in his kingdom. And what we realize, and what we need to realize, excuse me, is that in order to do that, we can't be rejecting the kingship of Christ and embracing the king of this world. And by embracing the king of this world, I mean we, we begin to live our life and structure our life around this world and what it has to offer us. What did the devil tempt Jesus with? He said, I will give you everything this world has to offer. All you need to do is bow down to me. Isn't that one of the temptations he tempted Jesus with? What was he saying? When you bow down to me, I become your king. And if I become your king, I'll give you everything in my kingdom. And there are times where we don't really realize, but when we begin to pursue everything that this world has to offer and say that's what we're all going to focus on, then we're bowing down 
to the king of this world. And when you bow down to the king of this world, you reject the kingship of Christ. Are you with me so far? You haven't run out on me yet? Okay, buckle your seatbelt. Here's going to get a little bit harder now. Because as bad as it is, bowing down to the king of this world, which is Satan, everybody clear on that, and all that he has to offer in this world, because he's the God of this world, the king of this world. There is another king that's even worse. And that king is you. You see, if we're going to be transparent here this morning, isn't our greatest struggle the fact that we want to be king of our own life? Isn't that the the real issue is that I love Jesus to be my savior and what we try to do is we try to compartmentalize. Boy, I'm really having struggles here this morning. We try to compartmentalize Jesus. We try to keep him in. Jesus, you can stay in my life as my savior, but you can't move in and be my king. You can't rule my life. That belongs to me. I want to rule my own life. I want to govern my life. I want to be the king of my own world. That's probably the biggest issue, I would say, for all of us that keeps us from becoming great subjects in the kingdom of God, in that we look at Jesus and we embrace him fully as our savior, but no, we, we reject him as our king. Why? I want to govern my own life. I want to make my own decisions. I want to go where I want to go. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to do God's will. Ooh. You know, Christians don't talk that way, right? Nobody go verbally outright says, I am not going to do God's will. But we say it with our actions, right? We never want to bring ourselves. It's like when, way back when, when uh, 40 years ago, when I'm struggling and I'm, I was a drug addict, the last thing I ever wanted to say was, I'm a drug addict. Nobody wants to admit that. I had a brother-in-law who was an alcoholic who would, who would wake up and every single day, the first thing he would do before he brushed his teeth, he would have a can of beer. And yet he would look me in the eye and say, I am not an alcoholic. Why? Because nobody wants to admit who they really are, especially when it's something that's negative in life. And no Christian wants to acknowledge, yeah, I, I, I'm my own king. God doesn't tell me what to do. But we live that way. Jesus cannot be your savior only. And listen, nor can he be a partial king. What, let me explain what I mean by that. Jesus You can rule my heart, my life, when it comes to my career and and, and my dreams. I I surrender all that to you, God. Praise God. But you cannot be the king over my pocketbook. And then there's some over here. Jesus, here you go, God, at the altar. And all that I have is yours, God. 
but you cannot tell me I can't marry this girl. No, no, no. She's the one for me. You see, we, again, try to put Jesus in this box that even as a king, we, we want a partial king. I'll, I'm, I'll surrender over here, but this I can't surrender. This I got to have what I want to have. And it's okay. Why? Because, see, I surrendered over there. Because he's my king over there. So, I mean, come on. Just one thing, what's the big deal? But I mean, you know, either he is king or he's not. You can't go to a king and say, oh, king, you're a great king. You can rule this whole nation, but you can't rule my bedroom. And the king will look at you and say, uh, am I not sovereign? Do I not control all things? Do I have control over your life? Yeah. So then you can't tell me what I can and cannot do. Isn't that what a king has, that ultimate authority? I know that that's new to us because we don't live in a society with a king. But it's important that we realize there is a God who sits on a throne. The king of kings. The Lord of lords that governs all of heaven bows to him. All of heaven does his will. And what God is desiring is for you and I to be great subjects here on the earth. Because notice this progression that we don't, great subjects, they don't question the kingship of Christ. They don't mock the kingship of Christ. They don't reject the kingship of Christ. Because when you do, you crucify the kingship of Christ. Remember, Jesus was crucified because he was a king. And isn't it horrific to think that it was his own people who crucified him, who wanted him dead? And we don't like to look at it this way, but it's so important that we realize that when we, as God's people, live this life where we are questioning his kingship and we, or we mock it or we outright reject it, we are actually crucifying the kingship of Christ. Jesus was crucified because he was a king. Pastor Jason, if you would come. Now, This big question, if Jesus, is Jesus Christ your king? We're not asking if he's your savior. This morning I'm asking, is Jesus Christ your king, the one who governs your life? And is it your desire this morning to be a great subject? Now, the question, is Jesus Christ your king, I want you to hear me clearly this morning. It is not a question you can answer one time. Because today you can say, today he's my king. But tomorrow there may come a moment where you have to make that decision again. Where you're faced with something that your heart wants you to do, but the spirit of God is saying, no, 
I have something else for you. That is not what I purpose and plan for your life. And then at that moment, you must decide again, is he my king? Am I going to yield and listen to the voice of my king? Every day that God gives us breath is a day that we have to settle the question, is he going to be my king today? Is he going to be the one that my heart bows down to? Here's why this is so important. This is the kingdom principle that I've, I, I, I thought about. And that is that great subjects are totally surrendered to the kingship of Christ. Great subjects are totally surrendered to the kingship of Christ. They have settled the question saying, all that I am in every facet, I yield to my king. I live to do his purpose, to fulfill his desire. Now, here's why this is so crucial. Jesus Christ is king of kings and he's Lord of lords. But in a way that I can't fathom why he would do this, the Lord has decided that the things that he wants to accomplish here on the earth will only be accomplished through great servants. The Lord has limited himself, if I could say that reverently and respectfully, he has limited himself saying, I have these great plans to do on the earth, but I will only be able to do them through great servants through those who have decided to surrender their all so that I might accomplish my purpose on the earth. And when we look at the history of, this, of Christianity on this earth, the great things that have happened in Christianity have happened because God has used great servants. And sometimes those servants are women, Sometimes those servants are men. And listen, sometimes those servants are teenagers. Did you know one of the greatest revivals in American history took place through teenagers? See, God is not respect of, no respect of age. He's not limited to our age. But what he is limited to is the willingness of our heart. Can you imagine what the king of kings can accomplish here today in this life if we decided I'm going to be a great servant with the grace of God helping me I want to surrender everything to God I want to live for one purpose or one purpose alone to fulfill what he desires to fulfill it's not about my hopes it's not about my dreams it's about him and what he desires to accomplish if you and I, brothers and sisters, will make that decision every day he gives us breath, my God, we will see him accomplish great things here on this earth, and it will speed his return. Blessed be his wonderful name. Stand with me.